We are. Welcome back to Catechize, <laughs> the podcast where we discuss the historic reform confessions and catechisms. I'm your host, Josh. With me, as always, the co-host, the man, St. John, the divine patron saint of many weird things that he is not actually the patron saint of. Man, this title is getting robust and a little bit, a little bit too heavy. I like to think of it as fluid. Heavy is the crown. That's what I. That's what I always say. That's a, that's a different direction than I would have. Okay. <laughs> I do sure sometimes would. jokingly say that, but it's 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 a it's fun because you're implying you're like you refer to yourself in the third person as our hero. <laughs> I forgot I did that. That is so true, though. What a great uh, what a great way to refer. It it works well because you know you'll be like our hero just walked to the refrigerator and grabbed the milk or something hey, you're narrating a little like comic book kids adventure show <laughs> <laughs> where you're the main character yep <laughs> it's it's no it's it's good it's it's it, a it's a good thing it's also cool. i have spread pillows and blankets around this room because the sound was kind of sounding tinny and, and bad and i mm. think it sounds like it sounds like it helped i really? hope it did yeah i don't know we'll see i guess when i edit but yeah i guess with the room you're in, you're sort of like facing a wall, and I wonder if it kind of gives it a weird, you know, it's small and yeah. Um, also, pretty much everything in this room is a hard surface. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Whereas I have a bed in mine, so yeah. <laughs> you don't sleep on a, a wood plank. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I need to go back to the old wood plank, but yeah, it's better for your uh, better for your soul character. Aestheticism is good, John. Um, is it no all right <laughs> we digress oh no josh give me a sec what did you do did you forget your catechism yes <laughs> oh my gosh don't worry i got it and bumped my mic thank, like six times as thank i goodness. did <laughs> i'll leave all those bumps in nah, i'm gonna cut those out oh good um but yeah so we are back in in the 10 commandments again this is actually the second time we're recording this episode we got like four fifths <laughs> of the way through it yesterday and it was garbage it was, it was so bad man it, it was catastrophically bad i couldn't even finish sentences at the end of it i would start and i would just <laughs> my brain would literally turn off mid-sentence yeah josh was like and so stealing is like uh uh yeah it was <laughs> it was the it was we've re-recorded probably three times now and this may have been the worst first attempt. <laughs> I think it, it was, was. We've it had was, a couple where we were like, eh, maybe we should re-record this one. But this one we were both like, this is this is pure garbage. <laughs> we can't. I cannot in good conscience put this in the world. Um, yeah. Not, yeah. Ugh, gross. It was so bad. But we are more prepared, more rested, more focused, and other things. And so we are feeling, feeling alive and thriving. Yeah, we As, did start it at I think five five a.m. your time or something yeah, like we did. that. So not not ideal, but but yeah. So so we're, uh, we got enjoy one this one and enjoy it all the more, knowing that there is somewhere in the internet abyss some just garbage <laughs> dumpster fire of a version of this episode that you will never ever hear. <laughs> um, um, but to get sweet. back to the thing. Shall uh, we, we are, read some catechism? Yeah, we're going to read questions 73, 74, and 75 over the course of this episode as we discuss the catechism's treatment of the uh, the Eighth Commandment. So, Thou shalt John, not steal. Oh, wait, sorry, spoil yeah, it. Here we go. Yeah, you freaking jerk. Read it. Uh, question 73 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Which is the Eighth Commandment? And the answer, the Eighth Commandment is, Thou shalt not steal. And then question 74, what is required in the Eighth Commandment? And the answer, the Eighth Commandment requireth the lawful procuring and furthering the wealth and outward estate of ourselves and others. Nice. So uh, questions 73 and 74 of the Shorter Catechism. What is the Eighth Commandment? The Eighth Commandment is thou shalt not steal. And what is required in the Eighth Commandment? The, the Eighth Commandment requires the lawful procuring and furthering of the wealth of uh, an outward estate of ourselves and others. Cool. 
So basically the way we're going to break this down is that while, while we talk about questions 73 and 74, um, we're going to look at, at two big ideas, like the, the, a biblical picture of what it looks like to acquire wealth um, and, and a biblical picture, like justly, and a biblical picture of uh, what, what it looks like to use our wealth. What is our wealth for? Um, and, and then we'll move on to 75 with some other stuff. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot, again, packed into the command that, that gives broader instruction to the church beyond just you can't take stuff that isn't yours. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think, you know, this is just in keeping with the the theme of the Ten Commandments in which, you know, when you learn them as a eight-year-old, you're basically just like, don't steal, don't kill anyone, you know. But as you look at them more, and especially as the catechism fleshes them out, what you start to realize is that they, pl- you know, they cover a much larger sphere of life than than just that. And so that's kind of what we're going to be looking at um, in in this episode related to stealing. Why did you why did you inflect like that? To stealing. Uh, you, it's, like it's like you were leading into some whatever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. So before we <laughs> Sorry, Josh. I'm just thrown off by the way you said to stealing. stealing. Uh, whatever wild <laughs> um, anyways so before we, we before we look at the biblical acquiring the biblical picture of what it looks like to acquire wealth and then to use that wealth we want to just kind of hit on a couple like prerequisite ideas and the first is that we do have that the continued theme that we see in, in the ten commandments particularly in the commandments um, in the second half the second table of the law instructing and guiding um, human relationships with one another uh, and, and that theme is that, that these mm-hmm. commands are that we seek the good and prevent the evil found in each command for ourselves and others. Um, that that, that uh, these these commandments put obligations and responsibilities on individuals um, of seeking to obey God um, to to do these commandments for the good of their themselves and for the good of others. They are always um, outward focused. Uh, and and that that I think is a good reminder. And also, like this one, this we're gonna we're gonna do our best to not get political at all because gross. Um, so true. But 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 like discussing wealth is is maybe the hardest in the ten the the, the latter half of the Ten Commandments to discuss without being kind of political um, within Christian circles, like. Obviously, in murder, we said that abortion is wrong, and that's a political issue, but it's not one that is very divisive amongst Christians. But, like, wealth issues um, and how wealth and money are understood and and viewed politically by Christians is more divisive. So we are aware of that. We're going to try and be fair. Um, and we're going to try and be as apolitical as possible while being what we think is biblically faithful. Um, yeah, and that's good. And then the final thing is that that it, that it's good to be reminded that commands like this, beyond just being moral commands, which they are, um, also are the picture of God giving stability to His people in His in His law, and He gives stability to His world in His law, uh, and, and that societies where. Um, like life is protected, families are uh, promoted, stealing and wealth is stealing is condemned, and wealth is 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 handled with wisdom. These commands, which are moral, um, give both application now, which gives stability to the world, and also gave um, were the the moral grounds of the civil law in the Old Testament that gave stability to Israel. And so it's it's good to be reminded that these moral commands also have like a a high. Um, applicability and practical practicality yeah civil civil commands in general sometimes we sort of throw out a little bit but it's yeah it's a good reminder that the moral commands actually bear heavily on civil things as well yeah and and uh, are the foundation for them whether they be formal civil laws in the old testament or like just societal application of god's moral law by christians today yeah cool cool all right, so uh, yeah, uh, so we're gonna look at that biblical picture of wealth real quick, and I think um, I with 
we're going to get the political stuff out of the way fast. Do it. <laughs> and, and I think, <laughs> I think that one of the things that's good to note is that, that um, when the Bible is talking about um, seeking the, the wealth and material goods of ourselves and others, that, that it's not um, like the Marxist utopia where every individual is perfectly equal in all things, including wealth and possessions simply is not where, where the biblical narrative is, is leading to. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not leading that way in real history, and it's not leading that way philosophically or theologically. Yeah. In this life and in the kingdom of God, there are people like the eternal kingdom, the new heavens and new earth. There are people with more and people with less. Um, in this life, because of sin, that means that there are people who, who are poor and impoverished and wanting, um, which is what we'll address in a little bit with the biblical use of wealth. Um, but in the new heavens and new earth, obviously there will be no, no jealousy, no sorrow, no want, uh, no, no lack, no stealing, certainly. Um, but, but there will be like people who are entrusted with more in the kingdom of God. Um, and so whatever that, whatever that looks like, we don't really know, but, yeah. but the scripture paints a picture where like, really flat equality is not the case in the church everyone is equally in christ and everyone is equally dignity has equal dignity value and honor as an image bearer and everyone who is saved by christ um is equally his equally righteous equally justified and so on um but but the kingdom is not one flat reality um, there are various amounts of crowns given to people um, uh, according to their faithfulness to throw at the feet of Christ at the very least. Um, yeah. People who are faithful in, on earth will be entrusted with more in heaven. So there is, a, like, however we understand wealth biblically, um, the thing we're not supposed, like, we're not required or even led to think is that there will be this kind of very, like, broad, flat equality where everyone has exactly the same amount as everyone else. Yeah. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think this is, I think this is, I mean, obvious, even in the command itself, thou shalt not steal implies that someone has something, you know, people have stuff like it's and, not... and other people don't have the stuff that they have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is also applied in the 10th command. Anyways. Yeah. And coveting as well. And so, yeah, it's, it's hard to get around that aspect here um yeah but and then go on. the the next political-ish idea is that <laughs> um and we'll kind of touch on this again with question 75 is that the bible there's a lot of people and, and i one of the things that that drives me mad is the 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 unjust union of political parties and christianity yeah. there is no political party that is the equivalent of the church um Mm -hmm. and, and and that's ugh, gross I, I just it drives me mad but there I are know, a lot with there, you. in our culture there's a lot of um of kind of associating right-wing stuff with what the bible teaches and the left does it as well but there's this kind of history of the religious right or whatever and part of that is that people argue that the bible teaches capitalism um and I don't think you can make that case. I don't think you can say that the Bible teaches capitalism. It certainly teaches against Marxism in many ways. <laughs> um, but I don't think it actively teaches capitalism either. But I think capitalism is the best application of what the Bible does teach. Like, like if we look at the Bible's instruction on the, the acquisition and use of wealth, um, the, 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 the human economic system that best that has best applied those principles is capitalism. Um, but as we'll see, capitalism is very imperfect, but it's, it's the best we have done. Like it's better than Marxism. It's better than socialism and feudalism and serfdom <laughs> uh, and, and slave societies and other things like that. Uh, yeah. And so, and so while the Bible doesn't teach capitalism, capitalism is probably, or at least at this point is the, the best we've done at, a, at applying the biblical principles of, of wealth. Yeah, I think I think it this is important to note because it's like it may sound like kind of not that big of a distinction like well it doesn't, you know, capitalism is the best then it teaches capitalism but no, it's sort of like there are issues with capitalism that we need to be aware of um and 
And so we can't be like, oh my gosh, capitalism is is just pure and simple God's way, you know, or something like that. It's like there are issues with it and they don't line up perfectly with the Bible. There's a lot of, yeah, you know, greed and such that is worked into capitalism that probably we do not really, the Bible doesn't really condone. <laughs> sure, so, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Cool. Now, with all that out of the way, um, I want to read a couple of verses and then hear your thoughts on kind of applying these to what the Bible says about how, what is it like? How does the Bible teach that wealth is to be justly acquired? Because again, the catechism is instructing or how the catechism applies this commandment is that, that we are to uh, lawfully procure and further our wealth and, and the wealth and outward estate of others. So what does that look like biblically? So first, Proverbs twenty eight nineteen, which reads, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. And, and then 2 Thessalonians 3.10, I think it's good to get a, a Old and New Testament to recognize the, the continuity of Old and New Testaments. This isn't yeah. just Israel stuff. Um, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. That's Paul talking to the church. And then 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Um, that might fit all that's, that'll be more of a segue into the next thing about using wealth, but yeah, I don't know. You like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> this, uh, I feel like this is pretty straightforward. You know, most people sort of acknowledge this, you know, you, you basically have to, you're supposed to acquire wealth and you're supposed to, not be lazy and you're supposed to take care of yourself and as you know first timothy talks about taking care of your family and so this is this is clearly in the bible yeah i don't know yeah 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 what else to say yeah no it's it's like the bible instructs that 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 there is a just way to acquire wealth and it is to work for it to earn it by by the things that we do um, by just and lawful means. And there are other ways that we get that. Like, like even the command don't steal implies that, that there is ownership of stuff that, yeah. that rightly belongs to the one who you're not allowed to take it from. And it, and it also implies the command do not steal implies that exchange of what is owned must be willing. Like if, if, if I'm going to lose a thing that I own and gain a thing, the exchange of those things must be willful and like uh, I, I've got to be a willing participant in that exchange. Yep. The, the, the just way for wealth to be acquired is by working for it and willfully exchanging it with other willing parties. Um, that's yep. commanded in Proverbs by Paul and Thessalonians um, and, and by the command itself. Um, and I think that's clear. And also like, there's a bunch of, of verses in the Old Testament, like Leviticus 19, 35 to 36, which says, you shall do no wrong and in, in judgment, uh, in measure of weight or capacity, you shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, which is a volume, and a just hand, which I think is also a volume measurement. Um, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy 25, 13 through 16, you shall not have a bag uh, in your bag differing weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a full and just weight. You shall have a full and just measure that your days may be prolonged in the land. Um, and then Ezekiel condemns Israel for having unjust balances. Um, and Amos does the same uh, in talking about the there will be that Israel basically has trampled the needy um, and, and used uh, they've cheated them with dishonest scales. Uh, and, and it's, he says, quote to, so as to buy the helpless for money and the needy for a pair of sandals. Um, and, and this, mm. all these verses together and uh, pictures in the old Testament of what, how Israel is supposed to live and, and what is the just application of God's law and what is Israel condemned for failing to do? And it's this, this unjust acquisition of wealth that is oppressive and, and harmful, that, that the wealthy use unjust weights and measurements to rob the poor uh, or vice versa. 
um, that that yeah, not stealing is 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 gives us and is expanded into this really broad picture of work for wealth, trade justly, um, trade willingly, and and, and don't uh, take what isn't yours. Um, and don't acquire wealth in an unjust way. So yeah. I don't know. I, I think w one just final sort of thought related to this is I think it's also important to note that like, you know, this command to not, you know, if anyone is not willing to work, let them not eat from uh, uh, Second Thessalonians. I think it's important that we, we don't. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice just did something weird there. Um, no, it's, I, it's good. <laughs> I think it's important that we don't, you know, take that, like utterly, literally in every sense where someone who is unwilling, you know, or who is unable, I should say, to work is not fed or something like that. Right. Like, yeah. You know, the idea is sort of like if if you're able and um, you are not working, you you do not deserve to be fed. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> it sounds brutal, but um, yeah. but yeah. No, it, yeah, that's and that's what we'll uh, we'll talk about in um, in question 75 more the kind of justification for that, uh, yeah. why you don't feed the, the lazy person, basically. Um, but your point segues nicely to the next idea from question 73 and 74, which what is, I'm here for. is what do we use this wealth for? If, if we're supposed to work hard and trade willingly and, 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 and recognize the ownership of one another um, and also like not cheat anyone out of what is justly theirs, <laughs> yeah. uh, but what do we do? Like, is this just a, Hey, gather up all kinds of money. And that's certainly not what's going on. A biblical use is pretty clear that, and that, that verse from first Timothy is also a segue that we are given and we acquire wealth for the purpose of enabling generosity. Um, that, that our wealth, sir, it's, it's not like it is sinful to acquire wealth. We'll talk about that in question 75 uh, for its own sake, but but wealth exists and our just working hard uh, and trading and so on that we just talked about all exists so that we can be generous, right? Because again, um, Paul says, work to provide for your relatives and your own family members of your own household. And if you don't do that, you're, you're worse than an unbeliever um, and you've denied the faith. And, and so uh, and then there's verses again, Leviticus 25, 35. If your brother becomes poor and can't maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. And in that verse, even like if your brother becomes poor, you have to support him in the, the following words, as if he were a stranger and a sojourner, he'll live with you. That assumes that you're already yeah. being generous with strangers and and wanderers, sojourners, the, the, yeah, like, those other people in your land who are in need basically Leviticus is saying, you know how you take care of the poor. If your brother becomes like them, you take care of him as if he were the poor stranger, sojourner, wanderer. Yeah. Um, but That's so good because it's so like, not how we would think where we're like, well, it's our brother. So we got to take care of him. But in the Bible, it's, it's, it's the opposite where it's like, you may not want to take care of him because he's your brother. But just think of how you take care of strangers and sojourners and the poor and treat him that way and help him. Right. Which is a great sort of reminder for us, you know. Yeah. The breadth of our generosity is is very our our, our commanded generosity is very wide. Um Yeah. Yeah. That that we're supposed to be generous with family. I like also in Timothy's like with your with your relatives, especially your family. Like provide for your relatives and your family. Um yeah. and then be generous with the poor family member as you're already supposed to be being generous with this wide picture of people. <laughs> uh, and then again, to keep reading Ephesians four twenty eight, uh, let the thief no longer steal, rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The ends and goal of, of acquiring wealth is to be generous with people in need. And the ends of not stealing is don't steal so that you work hard and acquire wealth justly so that you can be generous. The, the goal of getting wealth is always for the sake of others. In Philippians 2, 4, Paul says, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Um, thinking about uh, the needs and interests of others. Um, and, and the idea, and it's all, all over scriptures, that, that we have been 
the recipients of abundant generosity and, and kindness, both spiritually and materially. And so we are supposed to show that same grace, forgiveness, kindness, generosity that we have received um, with others. Again, both spiritually and material, materially with family, um, like my immediate family, my relatives, my church family, and neighbor, and the sojourner, and the stranger. Yeah. That that um, because of how generous God has been with us, both spiritually and materially, we must be that with everyone that we that crosses into our circle. Yeah, you know, it's this is such a good message. I think because we just don't do this normally. I think you know, if you ask the average Joe, you know, what is kind of the main reason they accrue wealth and save up money i think it's generally either you know wanting a particular thing for themselves or um security you know we just really like like oh but what if my house explodes and my car explodes and i get 30 diseases all in one day you know (laughs) right um i'll need to pay for all of that do not Uh, worry about tomorrow or tomorrow yeah yeah, we'll worry about it so and and whereas the bible's kind of like eh, yeah You'll be fine, <laughs> but you need money so you can help others. Yeah, um, and I think that's a good, that's important because it's very, it's very against um, what we think. And you know, I, I especially live in a, um, well, Josh used to, but um, I especially live in a fairly affluent area, and this is something that I think is particularly important around here, where people just generally sort of there's a little bit more of a tendency to kind of stockpile money for you know, maybe selfish or even just sort of like protective reasons. And this is, I think this is a good reminder. Money is for generosity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wonderful. And you've again, segued us really nicely, but before we go quickly, uh, sorry, my dog just howled. (laughs) (laughs) He like, uh, when he hears a siren, he'll howl. He won't howl any other time. But he howls like on pitch with a siren when he hears it. It's really? wild. Yeah, I'll send you a video later. It's hilarious. Do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, yes, we get money to be generous, to be, um, to to be uh, to provide for the needs of others. That is the very reason for which we are given wealth. And again, like it is to provide for your family. Like it's yeah. not. It's not like and providing for your family doesn't mean like, okay, as long as we've got enough rice and beans to make it through the week, now I'm going to give away hundreds of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you can be like, be generous with your wife and kids, be generous with your family. Um, but, but this acquisition of wealth, like, and the pers- pursuit of luxury or pursuit of security, as if those things are the ultimate ends and goal uh, and our ultimate good, that's that's wrong, which is what we're about to talk about. Yeah, I think, um, sorry, Josh, one last note on that. I think probably the Bible realizes, you know, people naturally are going to want to take care of themselves with their money. I don't need to tell them to do that. <laughs> right. Um, I, The Bible needs to constantly tell us to be generous, take care of others, you know, take care of your relatives. I think that relatives passage is uh, particularly helpful with like, you know, your parents maybe who are, getting on in years and need assistance like sure. stuff like that where um you know take care of the people you may not naturally want to take care of in addition to the people you want to take care of right <laughs> cool uh i think i had something that i wanted to say but it's just right. not in my brain anymore <laughs> my so, bad no Forgive. it's fine i mean it can't be that interesting or important if it's gone so let's uh do question 75 question 75 all right Here we go. Sorry. Here we here we go now. Actually, I was like, here we go. Wow, you were ready to go. Gotta find the page. (laughs) All right. Question seventy-five of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is forbidden in the eighth commandment? And the answer: the eighth commandment. Forbiddeth whatsoever doth or may unjustly hinder our own or our neighbor's wealth or outward estate. Nice. <laughs> you really 
really enunciated doff doff <laughs> doff i, I like to give i like to give the people that old english flair yeah. give them that give them that 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 uh 15th 17th century pizzazz <laughs> that they all love oh yeah okay um question 75 of the westminster shorter catechism and its answer what is forbidden in the eighth commandment the Eighth Commandment forbids whatever does or may unjustly hinder our own or our neighbor's wealth or outward estate. Cool. So, um, yeah, again, I think this is a good opportunity to talk about the abuse of wealth. Before I forget, before I go into what I was going to talk about, before I forget, John, I think you had an example of what it, like you thought was a fun example of unjustly oh. hindering our own wealth. Yes. Um, what is your thought on unjustly hindering our own will? Uh, no. All right. So, well, I actually have a couple things, but I'll 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 just give the one I was I was thinking of. One um one biblical abuse. And this is a little bit of a weirder one. Um and we'll talk about more less weird ones. Nope, I said that word. Uh we'll talk about less weirder less weird ones you okay (laughs) um is uh (laughs) save me (laughs) um is well so gambling um great great transition yeah sorry (laughs) so a biblical abuse of wealth is gambling um sort of i know you um not you specifically dear listener um (laughs) but but um gambling is an example of kind of trying to unjustly procure wealth basically it's trying to get wealth without working for it by uh sort of winning it off of other people who are also trying to do trying to gain wealth without working for it right and i think even like it hinders our own wealth because you're like kind of foolishly putting a lot of your a lot of the money that should be going towards providing for your family and being generous with them and your neighbor on the line yeah Um, and and I'll, I'm not. I'll, oh, I was just say I don't like I don't think gambling is only ever evil. Like yeah. I think it can be done as a form of of fun and entertainment. Um, but when it is kind of it, it, like like you spend X amount of dollars on a vacation or to go see a movie or to go see a concert, and so if you're like I enjoy these games and it's, it's fun to put a little money on the line, um, I think there's a difference between that and gambling to gain profit. Uh, and I think just as there's a difference between drinking and getting drunk, that line of moderation and sober mindedness it exists in the gambling world as well. Yeah, that's I what I was. That's what I was gonna say as well. Basically, it's not wrong to you know if you're like, oh, it's it's kind of fun to spend a hundred bucks, you know, on a fun time gambling with friends, and it feels more serious because there's actually you know there's a chance you could make something, but but the uh, the issue just becomes when it's sort of this like consistent effort at uh winning money right. without earning it or working for it right yeah cool yeah i thought i thought you'd uh i thought you'd want to yeah. i gotta gotta tell the people about that one right it's kind of fun <laughs> it is it's kind of fun um but yeah so uh then then i guess continuing to talk about this this what is a biblical abuse of wealth or or what kinds of things serve as good examples for um, unjustly hindering our own wealth or the outward estate uh, or that of our neighbors is, is, is first of all, um, it's, again, this isn't necessarily a direct application of this, but I think it's a good background, um, that Paul, or Paul in 1 Timothy 6.10 condemns the love of money as being a, uh, the root of all kinds of evils. Um, mm-hmm. the, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. And, and so that this, this principle, uh, that, that a, a, a love of money, um, kind of, if it takes hold, if it takes root, it grows into a lot of these things. It grows into thievery, stealing, gambling. It grows into abuses of both the pursuing of wealth, the use of wealth and the abuse of wealth. And that, that, that idea from Paul is kind of behind a lot of our failures to do what is encouraged above and and what we're going to say is like forbidden right here that that behind all of those is a, is a love of money that places money at a place uh where where frankly god is 
we save up a bunch of money because of what happens if all of my cars get totaled in a week and I get a disease. Um, <laughs> if you're placing your hope of that impossible scenario in your money, that's idolatry already. So like you've, you've, you're crossing some lines. Uh, and so behind all of this stuff is that, that, that love of money. Yeah. And, you know, related to this, you know, there's a parable in uh, it's Luke 12, basically, where it's the rich fool who um, has like an abundant, you know, he gets a huge crop, a huge harvest. And so he builds a bunch of barns to store all of his uh, his grain. And basically, he's got all of this additional prosperity. And he tells himself, you know what, I'm just gonna take it easy, eat, drink and be merry. And then in the parable god's basically like you know you're gonna die tonight um and sort sort of the idea basically that you know you he doesn't it's not that it's funny because you read this and you're like what does he do wrong but it's not that it's wrong necessarily to have stuff or like you had a abundant harvest therefore you're in trouble it's, and, and, and he acquired his wealth justly but yeah that's not the end of the story yep he it's 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 legally didn't steal it um, but it's that he basically was putting his comfort and his value in his money, and seemingly he wasn't sharing it with anyone else. He was, he was just building bigger to, barns. Yeah, he was failing to do with his wealth what God has uh, intended our wealth to be for. Yeah, so it's not wrong that he was he was wealthier, but it was wrong that he he basically put it at the center of his life and was using it seemingly entirely for himself, eat, drink, and be merry you know yeah yeah nice. um, and then oh sorry go ahead go ahead i was just say the next thing is that one of these abuses of wealth is 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 talked about a ton in the proverbs i'm going to read proverbs about well i'll cite them when i read them do but it they they condemn this idea of laziness and, and being a sluggard which goes back to the one who is unwilling to work if you if you don't work you don't eat now of course if we look at the generosity and the instructions to you have to take care of the poor whether they be a stranger a foreigner or your brother you are obligated to be generous and meet the needs of the the poor um and so we have to take that instruction with paul's words if you don't work you don't eat um to mm. to be a condemnation of laziness that is rooted in the proverbs and that this laziness is a form of stealing it's that you are um you are uh unjustly assuming the generosity of, of those who are actually acquiring wealth justly uh you are stealing time by not using it well um and and uh and so i'll read a bunch of proverbs that basically capture ca a bunch of proverbs that basically <laughs> capture how laziness uh, is is yeah uh, an, uh, an abuse of it breaks this command because it is an unjust hindrance of your wealth and the wealth of your neighbors, mm -hmm. um, which Hit is me. how the catechism proverbs. It. Here they are. So uh, Proverbs twenty one twenty five says, "The desire of the of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to do labor." You want something, you're not willing to work for it, and so you're devastated. <laughs> um, Proverbs twenty verse four, and then also twenty verse thirteen. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. Uh, he will not seek harvest. And he will, oh my gosh. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. And then mm. love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. Um, and then Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread. Uh, in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? How long will you, uh, uh, how, when will you arise from, from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and an un, uh, and want like an armed man. Um, and, mm. and these, again, just, so in the breadth of the ways that we violate the command to not steal is by unjustly hindering our wealth and the wealth of others in a very significant way that humans tend towards that error is by just being willfully lazy. Um, and, yeah. and that is a, a, a very significant kind of thievery. I, I thought you were going to read that one proverb. <laughs> that is, I love it's so no, I was saving this for you. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly where yeah, you're going. Because <laughs> I love it. 
but it's the one where he's like, uh, the sluggard buries his hand in a dish. It it wearies him to bring it to his mouth. Yeah. And I, that's so good. Basically, you just picture someone like reaching into a bowl of food and then getting tired halfway there and just leaving their hand in the dish because yeah, they that, don't have the energy to carry the food back to their that, mouth. That like balding slug of a man with a wife beater and boxers laying on the couch with the light of the TV shining on his <laughs> face, the remote in his hand, and his one arm is just elbow deep in an ultra bag of cheetos and he can't even move it <laughs> you're, you're describing <laughs> big al from toy story 2 <laughs> oh my gosh that's so true yeah um <laughs> anyways um that's part of it uh but yeah refusing to so uh, other violations are refusing to do those above things justly working justly trading um uh, uh working uh for the 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 welfare of your family, whether it be biological or ecclesiological, ecclesiological, your church family. Um, I think there's one um, interesting thing in, in uh, first Timothy five, five, uh, Paul basically says, or I'll just read it. Um, she who is truly a widow left all alone, let her set her hope in God and continue in supplication to the present night and day. But she who is uh, self-indulgent dead while she lives. Oh, that was verse six. Um, but basically, uh Paul in this per- passage talks about um instructions for the church and caring for different kinds of people in the church and that we're to honor and care for widows and, and he makes this qualification that we're supposed to um honor and care for and meet the needs of those who are truly widows and implied in that is that um if if a a woman is truly a widow you have to take care of her but if she's not truly a widow and she's just being neglected by her family, then then you go to her family and you're like, you have a woman that you're supposed to be or a, whatever impoverished relative that you're supposed to be taking care of. Like you are failing here. Uh, and and there's implied in that command to take care of those who are truly widows is to to again, first of all, that there are people truly that are not truly poor who are just seeking to benefit from the generosity of the church don't give into that there are also people who um whose needs aren't being met by the by the people who are supposed to care for them and that needs to be addressed uh and and if like and everyone outside of those qualifications is the responsibility of the church and the christian to -hmm. take care of Um, we are to take care of our neighbor and refusing to do that is uh is, is a violation of this yeah this is two things first one this is i like sort of what you start to see is there's this kind of you can fall off on one side or the other here either you can fall off on the side of laziness where you're not working hard you're not really concerned with working and so you're just sort of um sort of stealing from others in the sense of demanding their care and generosity because you refuse to work you're unjustly hindering yours and their wealth yeah and you can fall off on the other side of being you know so aggressively concerned with money that it is all consuming that it's you know like that the luke 12 uh foolish you know rich man who basically uh is obsessed with money and that becomes the center of your life and sort of what becomes clear is that the the path that we as Christians are supposed to walk is down the middle. Work hard enough, or not hard enough, I should say, work hard, um, and then use what you have made to care for others. Um, And then the second thing I was going to say is that this is sort of just like a practical point I've I've noticed in, in life, is that it's a lot harder to go from having a lot of wealth to having less than it is from, you know, having less to having less. (laughs) Less. <laughs> Basically, it, once you have a lot of money, it's hard to not have that. And so if you can spare yourself the difficulty of uh, being too comfortable with having a lot of money, it's it's a lot easier to be generous and a lot easier to care for others. I'm not yeah. saying it's impossible. I'm just saying yeah. general broad brush stroke. Yeah. Um, Having a lot of money, it's hard to then go to back to start having... making good habits. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, be generous now so that it's easier to be generous if and when you acquire more wealth. Yes. Yeah. And then one, one or two more things before we jump to the question with the catechumen, um, for me at least. Yeah. Uh, one is that 
just like Paul is clear, if you don't work, you don't eat. But that is not a justification for us to assume that every poor and needy person is a poor and needy person because they're the sluggard of the Proverbs. Yeah, we are like, we can't excuse ourselves from taking care of the poor, the stranger, the neighbor, the foreigner, the, the family member, because, well, if you don't work, you don't eat. Um, we can't just assume that the situation is that that one situation that vindicates not being generous. Um, we should assume rather the opposite, that that this person is in need. Assume that, that they are an opportunity for us to exercise generosity until it's proven otherwise, um, which is the opposite of, I think, the common assumption we make. And then oh, also yeah. um, this unjustly hindering the wealth of yourself and other also condemns the injustice the injustices that are that are pervade in capitalism um and as much as any other economic political ideology like i we talked about earlier i think capitalism is the best application of the biblical principles of wealth but there are people who um who like get extra rich by by um underpaying their employees and things like that and that is that is a violation of the of everything we've talked about not being generous not seeking the wealth of others not using just weights and measures um certainly the ceo is going and the people who invested money in the company are going to have more of significantly more um than than those who are at the lowest levels of an organization um because of a lot of factors but the way that a company should be run or an organization or whatever should be run in a way that the, the wealth of all who are a part of it is sought, even though it will, that doesn't mean equality or even similarity. It should still be the promotion of the wealth of everyone there. Yeah. With, when we talk about the abuses of capitalism, I think, you know, I think of like, you know, some, maybe some CEO somewhere being like, well, I could pay my employees ten dollars an hour but i'm sure there's someone so desperate that i could just pay them five dollars an hour or something like that and that's not biblical care for others right so you know we don't want to we don't want to mix up the two and assume that they're identical right all right question with the catechumens yeah yeah nice let's do the question Um, so this is from Rebecca, who, John, remember that time when I was talking about the summary of a, a paper, and I couldn't remember what the summary of a paper was called a while back? Uh, may, uh, yes, yes, yep. So yep. it is called an abstract. That's the word we were looking for that I could not remember. Oh, I said Rebecca crazy. Found it. Which, yeah, which is not it at all. It's the abstract. Different. It's like a summary. Anyways, so that's a helpful thing. But Rebecca, in in the email, she was like, "Hey, I figured out the word you were thinking of." And Hold like, up. Yeah, you did. Let it be. A, let it be known that a precy is a summary or abstract of a text or speech. So I was right. It just a precy is a thing, but yeah, it's but it's not what I was thinking of. I just looked it up, and so it's similar. Anyways, but just <laughs> um, defending myself here. <laughs> there's yeah, we've got uh, we've got a handful of questions from a handful of people, which is awesome. Um, uh, I, I'm kind of piecing them apart into bite-sized chunks so that this segment isn't too long. So um, we will get to your question if you send it in Instagram or uh, uh, to our email. Please also send more questions to catechizegmail.com or. Uh, in the messages on Instagram. Little, fun to have a little pool to choose from. Yeah. It is. And we will get to them all. But this week, we're getting to part of one on, on Revelation, kind of. Basically, the question, I summarized it um, uh, as I was kind of separating it into multiple questions for multiple weeks, is if Daniel, this goes back to cessationism, the ceasing of the miraculous gifts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if Daniel and other passages indicate that the gifts will cease around 70 AD, coinciding with the destruction of the temple, um, which go look at daniel 9 24 and following and and listen to episode uh season four episode 10 the footnotes and proof text on the on the miraculous gifts for the background of the question um yeah. if that's the case how could revelation and possibly other books written by the apostles and the prophetic office follow or happen after the ending of prophecy basically if prophecy stops in 70 a.d how can we have stuff that was written after 70 a.d because there's no more prophet, there's no prophetic, more prophetic office. And I think there are two equally justifiable answers. Um, first, 
Some argue that, that Revelation was written before the destruction of the temple. I think it's it's a difficult argument to make, but it's not impossible. It's not, it's not yeah. entirely unreliable to think that that happened. Uh, and the other that is that John was called as an apostle and called to the prophetic office and, and given the gifts of prophecy prior to 70 AD. Um, and uh, the cessationist argument is that there are no new prophets or healers or tongue speakers after the ceasing of the gifts. Um, but John was called and gifted as a prophet prior to that. And there's this overlap between the miraculous gifts um, not being given anymore and those who still alive who were given miraculous gifts before the cessation um, uh, that, that are still around. And so what John's prophetic office didn't cease at 70 AD. It's just at 70 AD, no new prophets or other miraculous gift doers were uh, given gifts for those gifts. Yeah. 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 Essentially, my thought would just be the second one that you mentioned. It seems seems unlikely that John would, you know, 70 AD hits and suddenly, like, John's prophetic power abandons him or something like that it's probably it's it's essentially just not the the lack of raising up new ones and so once john dies um and all of all of those who had the gift are dead there's no more to replace them yeah yeah i think we can confidently stand on that one um with with yeah cool and we'll get to more and others at another time i think that's all we've got that's that's all we got. Wonderful. This was infinitely better than the garbage that we <laughs> <I> did <know>. <laughs> yesterday. I am so happy we made this decision for your sake, everybody. Um, you're welcome. No, you're uh, welcome. Sorry. <laughs> no, just kidding. Dumb. Um, uh, but yeah, thank you for tuning in. Uh, thanks for listening and sharing. Uh, please do share this with anyone you think would benefit from it. Um, leave us a review or a comment in the app, whether that be Spotify or Apple Podcasts or the other ones. Uh, leave us um, uh, ratings, I guess. I don't know. And then please do send questions to uh, catechize at gmail.com or to uh, to the Instagram comment section at catechizedpod. Please follow us there, Instagram and Twitter at catechizedpod. Uh, and yeah, uh, oh, we have a Patreon. Thank you to our Patreon supporter. If you want to help us out uh, in, in big or small ways, that would mean a lot. Um, but regardless, we appreciate the support and listenership of you all who we are hoping to help and encourage and edify as brothers and sisters uh, in, in Christ, which is why. Yeah, whatever. Cool. Yeah. I think that's all I've got. That's all I got. I, Catechize I, your nothing. kids. We will see you next week. <laughs> all right. Yep. Farewell.